Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Oh Lord, our God, how marvelous, how wonderful is your love towards us, your saving grace, Lord, your mercy, and obedience to the faith to you brings marvelous results in the life of anyone who truly, absolutely, and completely stands fully in all the will of God. We pray today that your church be so. In Jesus' name, let the Word of God have its full freedom to run through every part of our human existence, changing us, transforming us into the image of the Son of God, that by the extension of the way that we live, we will also cause other people to turn to the truth of your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the image of Christ lives within us the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. It is very good to see you all here in the middle of what is known as the winter. It moves me very little if it's winter or summer. I find myself studying better in the winter than in the summer when it's hot and humid. And uh, it's much better to be here than in America where I was, where it was so hot that that thermal uh, image of the American uh, temperatures is just that incredibly high. Whereas here in South Africa, it looked just beautiful. Thank you for the winter, Lord Jesus. Let's give him thanks for the winter. Amen. And even our summers here are beautiful. And here in the Highfelt, where we will, we will have good rains, not as the weather prophets sometimes have to say. Oh, now El Nino. Well, you know what? The Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And we say, by faith, we will have good rains, wonderful temperatures, and a wonderful summer season. Can you say amen? amen. Now give Jesus a praise offering, everyone. <clears throat> to the book of Colossians, chapter number one, and I think I'll take verse 15 from the New King James Bible, and then we'll see how we go from there. Talking about Jesus, there's a little song, old Pentecostal song, that says, let's talk about Jesus. Look to somebody and say, talk about Jesus. Now let's see what it says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by Him all things were created and are, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. In Him, all things that were created are there, whether no matter what dimension you are talking about. 
I'm going to speak about the Son of God this morning and come from an angle which fascinates me because looking at this and I look at the Greek text in front of me, I see things that I think you don't by average would see it because you would by average read your Bible and so I endeavor to try and dig into this story about the Son of God. Now, let's begin with the Apostle Paul. It says in verse number one of the book of Colossians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is called an apostle. So we refer to him rather than just Paul here for the sake of making a difference between him and the thousands and thousands of Pauls that exist now on the planet. This is the apostle we're talking about. And the thing that fascinates me about him and his meeting with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, that meeting right there, when he was struck with blindness and afterwards when in Acts chapter 9, Ananias in a street called Straight in the city there of Damascus had to lay hands on him and then something like fish scales, like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. But what happened there, there on that road? I'm not so much going to read all of that text there because I, I could read a lot of text right here in this context, but let's have this preserved time that I have with you focused on just one or two thoughts concerning just that there, is that it was so intense that most probably in my mindset and according to all the knowledge of the Word of God and also world history as well as biblical history and the church history and, and whatnot, I don't think apart from two men outside of the Lord Jesus in Christ, Christ Himself, who knows all things, created all things, knows everything about everything, the all-knowing God. But in terms of humans with sin natures, two men uh, stand out to me. One is Moses and the, one, one, the other one is Paul. I was having quite a lot of meditation on Moses and then when I came to Paul, I came to see that it's not just a matter of his obvious intelligence, which was absolutely, completely outstanding. This man, this man, if you read this Greek, if you really read the Greek, you begin to understand you're not going to get through more than one verse, maybe at a time in this Bible. It is just that intense. And I cannot get to the depths of it. Therefore, Peter said some of the things that he wrote in his letters are difficult to understand. The construct of his style of writing is that potent and that powerful as he brings out the mind of Christ through the writing of the letters 
of the New Testament, some 14 letters, if we include the book of Hebrews, which I believe in the style, in the context in which it was written, I find some of the, the statements maybe there. It's clearly Paul at writing there, but now not saying Paul, so that they would, the Hebrews, the people speaking Hebrew, particularly in Jerusalem and Israel, would be able to understand as he's coming now from an angle to bring Christ into focus in their lives. But to do that, to be able to do that, he had to have an enormous meeting with God of which I began to understand that there was far more compacted in that one meeting with God than what you and I know and that what you and I could understand. God would completely take hold of this man. And then I began to think about these men of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, all the apostles, all of them, without exception. I would only leave Judas Iscariot out, Acts chapter number 1 and 14 there. We see Matthias chosen in the place of uh, Judas Iscariot. All these apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ and himself. And then the, after the apostles of the Lamb, people like Paul, that as he says, I'm born out of due season. If you look at them all, not one, not one from Jesus down to the lot of them ever spoke about politics. Not one ever spoke about the economical whatever was going on in the economy. Not one of them spoke about Sport, whether it may be athletics, the uh, Olympics of the days of Paul, whether it be uh, football or soccer, as we call it here in Africa, cricket, rugby, not one of them said anything about that. But they all were focused on bringing Christ instead to every soul that lives. Regardless of where you are on the planet and from where you are, all the nations, Acts 17, were created from one blood. God created all the people of the earth. And so all of the nations, all of their political philosophies around the world, all of the people, rich and poor, young and aged or old, men and women and children, Every politician has a soul that needs to be saved also. We need to pray for them with love. Because Paul constantly says, since I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love, I cease not to make mention of you in my prayers. The thing that worked, prayer you see it all, all the time is this man and all these men, beginning with the Lord, the Son of God himself, saw that everyone in this world was the mission to be the savior of the world. So I will not spend time in meditating on any form of political philosophy, all of that. I'm a man of God, I love everybody. And I don't care what 
Where anybody comes from, I love you all equally. I have to do that. Or else, I don't know how you can live in a pulpit and partake of all the things that are going on on this earth. But now let's go on with Paul. Wherever he landed, I was looking at images of uh, Professor Ian Albright on the subject of maps of the Bible, still think the best Bible map book I've ever seen in my life. How this man, where he landed, you could see they color-coded. So as he landed, there's the spreading color of the gospel. And then he does the first missionary journey like that. And he does the second missionary, see more color. And he does the third missionary, see more color. And then the ultimate impact of him, the entire Europe. And then the ultimate impact of that, the gospel to all the nations of the earth. This man brought Jesus to the Gentile world, including to us. Now, with that being said, they had problems in the early church because where God moves, the devil also moves. The devil also wants to do something now to try and refute or try and dispute or try anything like in the days with, with Paul in Athens at a place called the Areopagus that is right there in the city of um, Athens. And uh, so I won't get into that because that's a beautiful story there that just unfolds there. But as we look at this situation, Paul is sitting in prison under house arrest in Rome. He writes the prison letters, Ephesians, uh, Colossians, um, the letter of Philippians, and the book of Philemon. He writes all of this. And one of the things he does, he writes the book of Colossians, to come against something that was happening in the ancient world. The ancient world was trying to water down the power of the gospel by blending it with other kinds of philosophies. This is also okay. That is also okay. You can do this. You can do that. And we have other customs and other philosophies. As Paul debated with those men, they could not withstand his intelligence. They could not withstand his oratory power. They could not withstand the Holy Spirit power upon him. The man was walking in power and authority, which they did not even perceive. I have, because of that, placed him in the New Testament era after the Lord Jesus Christ I do think, I do think that I do not know anybody with more intellectual strength than this man. Having received the mind of Christ that complemented his normal giftedness, this man was beyond the thinking of so many of us, even the Apostle Peter said so. Now, um, he writes from Rome to the Colossians, because in Colossae, very briefly this, there was a thing called syncretism. Now, syncretism, there are many of these philosophies, but I'll just summarize it. I won't get into all of them because I could. But 
syncretism was, in summary, the blending of all the idol worship systems and philosophies into Christianity. So watering down the power of God in the church. So that one of those things that, for example, John the Apostle found in the book of John was the philosophy that Jesus, it's called docetism, that Jesus was not really a man. He was, he just appeared to be a man. And he is not God that really came into the flesh and died on the cross. So it was just an apparent thing, but not a really physical truth. So, therefore, John the Apostle comes in John chapter number, 1 John chapter number 4. And he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, which, whether they are of God or not. Test them. And I've done that very often, particularly when you're confronting demon spirits. Test the spirits, whether they are of God or not. He who does not confess that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus, humanity, Christ, deity, all in one, 100% man, 100% God, the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ who has come into the flesh. Anyone, any spirit that does not confess that, says John, in 1 John chapter number 4, from verse 1, he says, these spirits are not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. 1 John 2, verse 20, 1 John 2, 27. You need not let any of these people teach you. You know that there is the Holy Spirit that teaches you all things. Any spirit that does not confess that Jesus is the Christ who has come into the flesh. We're talking about the Son of God here. Is not of God. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. But you are of God, little children, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. You're of God, little children. That's right. Give the Lord a praise offering for that. And greater is he who is in you. Everybody say Christ in me, the hope of glory, than he who is in the world. You need not a lot of teachers, see. You don't need all of, all you do is you read the Bible, you believe the truth. So what they did is, through syncretism, just use one term to include several other terms, but for the want of, of time that I have here available, th this is like the watering down, the diluting of the gospel. You know, it's like you can do things which are prohibited to do. In fact, in that philosophical system exists this. It's a Greek word, philosophy in itself. In, in that philosophical system, that is there. And so, like Paul at the Areopagus, where these people were representing all these different philosophies, and Paul says, the one, the unknown God. He is God. In him we live and move and have our being. In all of these philosophical systems that are there, they're a system of refuting the Word of God, of making it sound different. So people would create other stories 
that they would adapt to this time and say it's okay. So in the modern day world, you still have the same thing. Just now, other philosophies and of the, of the Antichrist that do not believe, because if you believe that Jesus is the Christ who is coming to the flesh, I say unto you, then all the Word of God has immediately come to you because He is the Word of God. Then all the system of thought in this book has at once come to you. And in Him you live and you move and you have your being. He is the Word. And His Word is the Word of truth, is the Word of faith. You need not any other refuting word in your life that would break down your faith in the Son of the living God. Shout hallelujah. Give the Lord a proper praise after giving body. Now having said this, I would say that there are serious things in the modern world and I will just spend like three, four minutes on it. Number one, and at the moment, something that I think is, it puts me in war mode. How many of you are parents here in this place? Let me see your hands. I say to you parents, we here have a Sunday school that is brilliant. It's there, the head of the Sunday school is actual full, is an actual qualified teacher, which is Pastor Hichu, but he's a teacher. He's a real qualified teacher from school. Just like Pastor Tabu in Gidi, he was a, a vice principal at a school. So, so with Hihu. And then there are even medical doctors that are teaching and helping to teach here the children at the back. They teach them from this book. Can you say amen? amen. Not from anything else, not some philosophy. Not empty reasoning, not people saying, well, you know what, we don't think that uh, he's really coming to the flesh and blah and blah, and they babble with that. And I'm telling you now, it is not evolution. It is Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. In him we love and we move and we have our being. But Sunday school, with the best of teachers, does not take away the, the responsibility of these parents here. The thing that disturbs me badly is how the devil is now aiming for the children. Bringing teaching in everywhere around the world, in schools, in education and everything, and parents. Oh, teaching children about sex. Now I get real hot on this subject. But I must contain myself. Paul says I discipline my body, bring it into subjection. <laughs> I tell you, don't, my children now already grown up, don't try and teach my children any form of perversity. Never, ever, ever, never, ever. Ever, they are sacred to God. Their souls stand up, give the Lord a good praise offering, everybody. Come on. 
I want to hear you praise God. I want to hear you praise God. If the devil can take that generation, he's got the world in the palm of his hand. Parents, take up your responsibility. Parents, see every single day what kind of books the children are studying and bring godly education into that system. Because if those trees grow skew, parents, let me tell you, let me see some parents in that block. Let me tell you, let me see the fathers in the church. Raise your hands. Or let me also see those who are alone, mother or father of a home. Let me see you also. Right, there's several of you of all kinds. But there's one responsibility that you can never ever in your life neglect. Is to watch what your children are being taught. Because that system will deny Jesus Christ the Lord and present lust in its place. And teach little children things that are straight out of the pit of hell. So therefore, let's just say, let's get the foundations right. Let's just say, let's get our homes in order. Let's just say that I grew up in a generation then, which is not the generation now, but we had in our home, both me and Maud, godly parents, serving the Lord, going to church, and all those principles of morality, integrity, truth. God holds every father in this church responsible for what is allowed concerning his children. Make no mistake, it'll be the biggest problem when you face Jesus Christ if you neglect your parental duty concerning your own child. Now what they're now trying to do, like in Russia and elsewhere in the world I notice, they begin to take children away from their parents. They just take over the children. You see that in Europe, you see that, you know, when, whenever I read, <laughs> even England, they're doing it, just take the children away from parents, they will now raise the parents. Die Heere help da. I want to tell you something. Your children are created in the image and likeness of God. Your children are loved by God. Your children are precious to God. Your children should be taught to be in school. You know, here we have the system. We still have the system. Every Sunday school service, every church service, there's also a Sunday school running at the back. So we make sure that we get in as much as we can to get into those children to drive morality, Priorities, godly value system, systems, ethics, correct conduct according to the way that God has created you. From the beginning, words of Jesus, that that morality and those moral standards will never fray out at the edges in the life of your families.
Because if you let go of that, you'll pray forever. You get no answers to your prayers. Excuse me for a moment. Let me just say in Afrikaans, just make sure this thing gets across, my dear brother. Maar die Heere weet, as my kinders in a plek moet opgeleid word, waar hulle, they receive doctrines of demons. And then I come along, and I wonder what's going on. And influences, you know, evil company corrupts good habits. Suddenly you have somebody in the home, misbehaving, and the father and the mother does nothing about it. They stand before God. You pray. You pray for a long time. You don't get answers. Because there is where a parent misses it. Big time you are responsible for your children. You know, we talk about Jesus today, aren't we? Can you say amen? amen. You're responsible for your children. And until they have grown up, train up a child in the way of the Lord. It's actually the ways of the Lord. So that when they're old, they shall not depart thereof. And you, all of you, if you love God at once, just pray over the food of the table. Just pray over your family. Just pray. You see, I don't want to get into this, but you know, this morning God was speaking to me so early and, and he was saying very clearly to my spirit. You see, you can know this book or what in human capacity we can more or less gather with limited insight into the word of God. And God allows people to go further, but this, this is a great story. It's really big. Um, but if you do not pray, you see, prayer is making personal contact with the living God. Prayer causes faith based upon the Word of God to be ignited, to come alive, to move from the area of the non-seen by faith taking hold of the promises of God and pulling them by faith into the visible dimension in which we live and move and have our being. Prayer brings God on the scene, so to speak, the presence of God into my house, into my family, into the context of my children. Now, I can get into the diverse moral systems of the immorality of the philosophies of Gnosticism, Docetism, <laughs> and all of these things, asceticism, and you could go on with these, all these isms, but the synchronism is like a covering thought over the lot of that. We look at Christ, and in no book of the New Testament writings, after the Lord Jesus himself, is Christ so vigorously 
and powerfully explained as in the book of Colossians. When you read that book, read it slowly. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Give him a praise offering today. Now, having said that, I need to go to you. Everybody say, my children, my family, and the souls of the ones I love are very important. And I must speak to them to bring them close to God, really close to God, and ensure their salvation through repentance, faith in God, baptism, filling them with the Holy Spirit, the power of God, training them in the word of truth, leading them through to heaven itself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give him another praise offering. Now, I want to, I'm just going to take the new Amplified Bible for just some expressionism, which I think is very important here. And I will spend these last few minutes just say to you, if you look at chapter number two of Colossians, I'll read, now I'm reading from the Amplified, the new Amplified. Chapter number two, eight says, See then that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the tradition and the musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of the living God of Christ the Lord. See then to that. I go back again. I told you something that in no book of the New Testament, if, the, if you look at all the epistles, nothing compares to showing the preeminence of Christ. Everybody say the preeminence of Christ. First in absolutely everything. No matter what you're talking about, he's first. No book in the Bible brings it so clear that Jesus Christ is Lord as here where Paul sends a letter carried by a man of Tychicus and accompanied by another man called Epaphras who founded the church of Colossae and then taking on through this letter, also reading it to the Laodicean church, taking on the people with these false doctrines that were trying to come in and encroach and water down the gospel. The book of the Colossians. Okay. Kumak said it. The book of Ephesians is the book of the church of Christ. Everybody say the church of Christ. The book of Colossians is all about the Christ of the church. You all get that? I couldn't have said something more vital. Now, if we look at verse 15, which I did read from the, from the New King James translation, and now we're into the Amplified Bible, so just listen. He, Jesus Christ, 
is the exact, verse 15, chapter number one. He's the exact living image, essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. The firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, and the originator of all creation. 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through Him. That is, by His activity and for Him. Verse 17, And He Himself existed and is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source, and the leader of the body, the church. And He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy first place. He will stand supreme and preeminent in everything. For it pleased the Father, verse 19, that all the fullness of the deity, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the sum of the fullness of the deity, the sum total of His essence, and all His perfection and powers and attributes to dwell permanently in Him, in the Son of God. I said I'm talking about Jesus here today. I'm talking about Jesus here. I'm talking, uh, let's give Jesus a praise offering, everybody. I mean, I, I don't have the time to read all of this. But if I just go for a moment to Colossians 2, 9. I mean, this goes on. For in Him, all the fullness of the deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. He is the Word. And I have to close now. Don't 
really, I don't want to close. It's come on swar now with me. And in him, you've been made complete. You've been made complete. Achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he is the head over all rule and authority. He's the head over all rule and authority. And of every angelic and earthly power. I can't read on. My time is up. It's quarter past. I don't like it. I could pray that the sun would stand still. Would you stand up? Give God a good praise offering. Give the Lord a good praise offering, everybody. You know what? I walk away from this word. Now that we break with difficulty, I tell you. Ek wil net aangaan hier. Ephesians is the church of Christ. Colossians is the Christ of the church. Understand him and you will know what to do with your personal conduct. Because our value system, our priorities, our moral system, everything is in this. This is the constitution of this church here at Little Falls Christian Center. Can you say amen? amen. Give God a final praise offering. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us. And with all of you this day, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord lift up His countenance over you, be gracious to you. And bless you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Till we all come together tonight, tonight, to find out about the miracle. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.